scheduling time with meetings like because like Modiphius has freelancers all over the world right so I, I talked to the folks in Modiphius they're in the UK they're five hours ahead of me I've got you know, you know Michael's on the west coast and then other people are on the west coast so that's three hours behind me right so like if I have yeah. to do a business meeting <laughs> and we have the CBS people on the west coast and CBS people on the east coast and then I have to talk to the Modiphius, Modiphius oh people too it's like how do we schedule a meeting when we have a like an eight hour range <laughs> right. and then of course we've got freelancers in uh, you know Ecuador and uh um uh you know holland and i mean it's just all over the place so it's, it's always a challenge to schedule time so i'm just grateful we were able to get you roxanne um, at a time oh, that worked yeah. for all three of us so thanks so much for being here and uh, yeah. before we get into the weeds uh michael why don't you introduce yourself and let's get this uh, this, this party kicked off here yeah see i hit record because i wanted people to realize how much work goes into producing <laughs> all of this fantastic star trek Star Trek Adventures uh, content. I think I think it was last week uh, or two weeks ago. Josh Allen said that we have a, a a a guilty pleasure of goods or something like that. I forgot, I forgot what he said of a bounteous blessing of too much or whatever it is. And it is true. It takes a lot of work though and coordination, Jim. And so we're thankful for that. For those yeah. of you who are coming in right now, this continuing conversations where we talk everything star trek adventures rpg we're all about fan love and we're also about big love of the creators who help put this game together jim you want to introduce yourself and what your role is absolutely my name is jim johnson i am the project manager and line editor for the star trek adventures role-playing game published by Modifius entertainment also a sci science fiction and fantasy writer but i'm here today to talk all about star trek and star trek adventures because i love it all so so much and uh, I can't tell you how excited I am to have our special guest here tonight, Roxanne Thompson. Please introduce yourself. Absolutely. My name is Roxanne Thompson, and uh, I work on Star Trek Adventure. I've been with, uh, been a freelancer for you all for about two years now, and uh, I do layout design. So uh, I do a lot of, I take what everybody gives me and I put it in a, in a way that hopefully is functional for, for someone <laughs> so, and, and makes sense. But and yeah. impresses. Give us, give us your resume. What have you worked on so far? So uh, for, for Modifius, I've worked on uh, for Star Trek specifically, I have worked, I started with the Kobe, Kobe Ashimaru convention uh, adventure, which is a little, a short little uh, con game uh, went on to the enterprise crew pack did some mission briefs packs. I, I, I get a lot of the mission briefs from the TNG era. Um, have also done some some of the adventures and supplements from the TNG era, and uh, went on to doing the 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 play players guide and the game masters guide, mm -hmm. um, the campaign guide for Discovery, and now the Discovery crew packs. And I don't know if I can mention the other stuff that I've, <laughs> I've done or I've got currently in the pipe, but yeah, I've I've had my little fingers in everything. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, and we were we were talking before Michael hit uh, record that uh, I think. I think you might be the only freelancer we have who's who's touched every era. Like you've mm -hmm. done you've done stuff for original series, you've done stuff for next gen, discovery, um, uh, the next gen, next uh, yeah, I said next gen. Yeah, all um, the nineties era, all the, all the all the legacy series, and then discovery, and then you also because you worked on the player guide, and game master guide. Those were the first products we did that had that kind of unified Star Trek yeah. look and feel that they weren't 
era specific or series specific. They were just right. like, and I don't want to say generic Star Trek because that's the wrong word. Generic's not the right word, but it was like unified, absolutely franchise look and feel to it, and branded the branded look, the branded yeah. look. Yeah, and so like you've got a unique perspective here, which is you know partly the reason we we invited you on tonight, but that's also right. because you're just <laughs> Roxanne. You were I don't I don't get to tell my I don't have a lot I don't ever get enough time to talk to my freelancers and I wish I did. Um, but you are so consistent and so reliable and so willing to go above and beyond. Like you, you're just a freelancer's dream. Uh, you know, <laughs> and I know I don't interact with you as much as like, you know, um, you know, the other staff like Kieran and John probably do, but um, like you are so easy to work with. Like I'll throw you constant changes and revisions and fixes and tweaks and like just trying to get the nitty gritty sure. stuff together. Like you know, I, I know a lot of the fans don't appreciate just how much work goes into this stuff just to make it, to take it from a Microsoft word product into <laughs> design and then to a final product. There's just so much stuff that can go wrong in terms there of, is. you know, things. And you, I just, I really appreciate, I want you to, I want you to know that I appreciate you so much because you are so good at what you do that, um, you know, you're easy to work with. And, you know, frankly, between the fact that you're so good at what you do, and you're easy to work with. That's why we keep coming to you with more work. Because it's like, of course, we're going to keep coming to you with, with more work. It's why I keep going to Michael with uh, with writing assignments because you're 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 fast. You're good. You hit your you hit your deadlines, right? Yep. I mean, what what more can I ask for, right? That's Jeez. everything I ask for. And for Roxanne, I'm going to clip this just for our LinkedIn. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. That's right. Save it right here. Our referrals. That's great, guys. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime you guys have a bad day, you can you can play it and remind me and say, "Hey Jim, remember when you said this?" It's like, "Oh yeah, yeah." yeah. yeah. Well, anyway. Roxanne, I gotta ask you because this is my first time really meeting you. I know we we had sure. la you on last week, but there's a lot of people now. I get to have this time with you. Tell us about your history uh, with Star Trek and what developed your love for Star Trek. Absolutely. So um, my my dad and I are, are very close. Uh, I'm close to both my parents, but my dad and I always had similar interests. I always wanted to do what dad did. I play guitar because dad played guitar. I like rock music because dad liked rock music. <laughs> Love sci-fi because dad loved sci-fi. And he was... He loved original series when he was a little boy. And so when Next Generation came along and Voyager and DS9 and all of that, um, that was a regular viewing event in our house. Every, every week that the episodes are on, dad watched them. In fact, I have a distinct memory when we got our first like camcorder in the mid 90s. Dad was just looking for something to test it on one night. And he literally just set it up and filmed him watching an episode of like TNG. <laughs> I was like, and so we just have this episode of TNG that's just recorded of the TV, <laughs> but um, loved DS9, loved all of that stuff. And so that was something that we, we did together. And then, um, so he even had several of the old, old, like trade paperback novels, the numbered novel series from, I think like the seventies, um, that he'd gotten from science fiction book club, I think. So that's really what launched me into it was just, I wanted to do what dad was doing and that's what dad loved. Nice. So, um, and it just stuck with me. Um, and I kind of fell away from it for a while cause we didn't get a lot of new Trek for a long time. And uh, I was just at the stage of my life I was in, like around Enterprise, I, I really never watched Enterprise when it was on. But um, of course, I went and saw like the, the Abrams movies and things like that. But it was it was Star Trek Adventures that actually brought me back into the franchise. Um, 
we were after I met uh, my partner, we had a gaming group and we heard about the play test for for Star Trek Adventures and we got in on that. Uh, I, I still I'll show people my name in the back on the USS Bellerophon. <laughs> so, That's awesome. That's so cool. Nice. Yeah. So I'm like I'm right there. Um, and I actually I actually sent uh, in a resume way back during the play test and like my my uh portfolio and stuff because at that time y'all modifius was looking for for freelancers and stuff sure. and it I, I didn't hear back for like two years which i was like i was like that's cool i'm good <laughs> you know um and and then i got i got an email and i was like yes <laughs> gonna finally get to work on this game that i love because it did it rekindled so much and i've since rewatched all of it <laughs> you know and mm. and just kind of fallen in love with it all over again and every time i get to work on something new i'm just like okay i gotta i gotta go watch some more trek <laughs> yeah so now i gotta ask you who your favorite character is or and what you love oh, about star trek as an idea so my favorite character hmm i really i really think um and and this might surprise people i guess but uh we talked to or a lot of people talked about this character in on the last uh of your episodes that i was on um but i really loved anson mount's christopher pike like so much that i enjoyed discovery from the off anyway season two blew my mind and i was like okay i have i'm getting this I'm getting this melding of what I'm loving about the new Trek and getting this tie in with the stuff I grew up with. And my dad was the same way. Like he would call me every week and he'd be like, Oh my gosh, did you see that? <laughs> you know, it's so good. And so I really, really love his portrayal and the way that they brought that character to life because Pike, kind of got done dirty in, in the original series, but you know, and I understand that a lot of that was because of, you know, just the way that you know uh studios dealt with their actors then and you know he moved on to other things but um i i i loved christopher pike in in season two of discovery he's probably and i man see you can't ask a question like that <laughs> <laughs> okay okay so let yeah. me so, so let me ask you then what what is it about trek the idea and concept of trek that makes you so passionate the reason i'm asking this is because sure. your passion shows through the work and i like people to kind of Thank have you. this background so let's talk about your passion for star absolutely trek, the idea of it. Mm -hmm. i the thing that i love about about star trek um and uh my my friends have to hear this so much it's a poor you know pity them <laughs> but it's it's because i love the idea of it's not a perfect world like there's still war there's still all this the terror the, the 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 flaws that make us human all of that is still something that's happening in the world but there is this kind of utopian veneer over the top like they have made strides in trying to be better especially especially you know people of earth have made strides in trying to come together and be a united front and 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 join with these other these other planets uh and these other races and trying to you know build something together i love the idea of the united federation of planets i love that that unity or you know and i know that i i know that that is again a, there's like a veneer over the top of all the turmoil that happens underneath but that's one of the things i love about it when when one of the things like 
I don't get into cyberpunk a whole lot because it's so gritty and so kind of like downtrodden or it feels downtrodden to me. Whereas I love Star Trek because it's, it's kind of clean. It's this, it's this brand new look. It's this hopeful outlook of the future that I would love for us as a people to someday attain that, that acceptance and that, you know, money-free society kind of thing. I would love to see some of those ideals realized uh, for, for us in real life. And so I love watching a, a functioning society um, in the future. It will happen. It will happen. It will happen. Good. So with that said, now let's talk about how that translates into the passion uh, for what you do. I know I'm, I gave you ability to co-host so you can share um, your work. So kind of, you know, if you have a story to your work or how you approach the work, I'm really curious, you know, how you how Absolutely. you deliver on all that passion. Talk to me about that. Okay, cool. Um, you know, the... Being able, when I first got offered uh, the work for Star Trek Adventures, I was I was just ecstatic. Like I said, it. it uh, I don't know if I've said it in this in this session, but uh, it is my favorite role playing game, and I think it was part of that is because it rekindled my love for this thing that I had bonded, you know, I had this history with. Um, I, and I I still stand by that. Star Trek Adventures is easily my favorite role playing game and role playing system, um, and so when it was first brought to me, I was like, and then I, of course, one of the first things I got was the Kobayashi Maru uh, convention game. And I was like, oh my gosh, I get to do <laughs> that's, that is like one of the, you know, synonymous with, with, uh, with Star Trek is Kirk, Spock, Picard, uh, maybe Janeway, <laughs> and then Ferengi, and then you know the Kobayashi Maru for sure. So I was super excited about. It. I was like, I get to, I get to do this, this, this really neat thing. And I, I do have, I do have it pulled up. If, if, uh, if we want to try to, yeah, please. And remember, we have some it. people who listen to just the audio cast. So kind of describe sure, sure. where you're going, what page, yeah, what you're, what we're seeing. Absolutely. So let me, let me see here. Let me. Uh, See if when I share my screen, it'll let me pick the window that that I'm sharing. Let's see. Bump, bump, bump. Yes, fantastic. So here is the uh, Kobayashi Maru. Uh, just just is just the cover here, which is a real simple cover. It's the Starfield with the Delta on it. Mm -hmm. But um, I loved the look of of this because it really captured that that tos it's the red the the yellow the green it, it's kind of like a stoplight <laughs> feel with a lot of it but um you know it's real simple in 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 terms of of how the how the layout looks it's kind of a white background but it's got all those bright colors that you remember seeing in in the bridge so when you think of the original series and you think of the bridge and all the little blinking lights and all the, the unfortunately static screens in the back, um, you know, the reds, greens, oranges, uh, some of the blues and stuff, the colors of the uniforms. Um, I just, at first glance, it might feel a little kind of garish <laughs> because there's so many different colors going on in this color palette with, uh, but it really evokes that, that 19, you know, that late sixties, uh, -huh. uh, retro futurism of, of, um, of from the original series 
yeah, from someone who's played with these design, played games with this design, mm-hmm. even the Shackleton Expanse, the TOS design carries sure. on there. Actually, let me tell you what it does. <laughs> <laughs> it changes how everyone acts in the game, the way they they become a little bit more, like you said, 1960s. And for some reason, every woman character that walks onto our scenes has this little light across her face, this little swath of light. <laughs> so, right, the, the eyes yeah. are lit up. No, and we talk and we write it into the very narrative, because I write out all our stories and oh it's, no and it's interesting <laughs> and it's interesting that even the characters change the way they speak and they type i watch this thing mm. with my players because we play on discord <laughs> so there's something about when i start showing these pictures and showing the art and the buttons it actually throws them a little back in time which is kind of cool because it shows the evolution of the federation itself and starfleet absolutely and, and the, the different cow that was more of the time of cowboys you know in yeah. space and so um good good design it's not corny at all i think it just totally just throws sure. us back to the good old days well and and the the ship art and stuff like i just pulled up page six of the kobayashi maru uh adventure um which i think is a, is it a freebie jim is it a free kobayashi maru yeah it's a free it's a free download Okay. Yeah. On page six of that, there's, you can see this art of, of the enterprise, which also this, this style of art that is used here also evokes late sixties. Um, just, it's kind of got, a a smoothness to it. I mean, it almost looks like it's had a beauty filter thrown over it from, yeah. from, from Instagram or Snapchat or something, but it's, it, if, you know, in the sixties, we had this very, very bright outlook for the future and and it's funny i'm looking at this and i see like three things that i'm like how did i let that get away <laughs> this is Don't what happens when you, when you i know when you come back to a project and it's like <laughs> what was i thinking <laughs> but um it looks like no, the I, remastered it looks like the remastered star trek that you know yes. I, I watch now and i i i my me and my dad are just jaw dropped at the remastered Star Trek because of those type of effects. Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I I love them, um, but but no, I, I had a lot of fun with this, and because it felt like it, it, for my first project with with the company and with the with the game, I was like I couldn't ask for a more uh, Trek assignment. This is so awesome, mm-hmm. and that I get to start with original series because I had I had seen the game. I've got uh, in fact for my first wedding anniversary, my dad pre-ordered the board cube for mm. us so so we've okay. got the and then we gm some games at a con and got a couple more board cubes so we've just got board cubes <laughs> like just floating around the house <laughs> so i'm gonna ask you a question because back yeah. in the day i used to be a graphic designer back in the dot com okay and then i moved on to other other stuff what's it like to be able to put this in your portfolio mm. i i love it I'm like, I'm like so i work on some star trek stuff <laughs> Do you guys play Star Trek? Do you like Star Trek? Because inevitably, I don't think I've ever been anywhere where somebody has not enjoyed Star Trek, has not been a fan in some capacity. Maybe not everybody, but I don't think I've ever been somewhere where I can mention Star Trek or Star Trek comes up and so everyone just goes, oh, no, I don't want to talk about it. So I'm like, well, you know, I get to work on this really cool game. And, and especially like in, in, in my current day job, where I'm selling candles. I'm not selling anything. I'm not even doing it's they're geeky candles, but they uh, it's one of those things where we'll talk about stuff and people will see sci-fi or Star Trek related things. And they're, they want to, they'll be like, Oh, I didn't know anybody made candles based on this. This is great. And, and I'm like, well, you know, there's also an RPG. If you've never, 
<laughs> do you like do you like RPGs? Because uh, we sell a lot of RPG based candles. So I'm always I, I try to tie that into my interests. And then I, I get to be I get to say, well, you know, if you've ever played, oh, I've played Star Trek Adventures. Oh, well, you know, if, if you have a book, I might be in there. <laughs> <You know? That's laughs> it's, awesome. it's my one little just point there. My dad loves it. He I send him a copy of everything I do. So he I think you mentioned that too, Michael, that you're all. <laughs> you're oh, my dad. I, I do this more to get my dad's reaction that his son is actually involved with anything Star Trek related. And so sure. I know I, I can imagine exactly. We probably have to have them meet at some time and hang out. yep yep but but yeah it's i i I love it it's just the fact that i get to that i get to kind of play in this world is 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 so fun and and like you know jim had said i've gotten to kind of play with so much of it like in so many different eras from a design perspective they're vastly different like the the difference between um let's see if i've even got did i pull up yeah, walk us through that. Show yeah, show us that again. I want to see that progression that you that sure. you're picking up as you let me, uh, work. Let on me that. stop sharing real fast and let me pull up the enterprise. Sure. Uh, um, let me ask you, Jim, too, on, on that. For when after Roxanne designed something, what's the process on your end, and so that the fans know kind of like how that that works. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's a great. I'm glad you brought that up, Michael, because I was actually going to ask Roxanne uh, to walk us through her process. Because I, I can kind of start it, right? Like, of course, um, I'll reach out to a writer or writers to, to draft the manuscript. I get the manuscript, I edit it, um, and then it goes to a proofreader. They proofread it, goes off to CBS for approvals. I do another pass on it to make, you know, just to make sure that we caught everything, uh, do an extra proof pass on it. And then um, the last thing I do before I hand it off to the designer, such as Roxanne, is uh, either myself or my art director um, initially, it's been myself for most of the time, but now that I've got an art director, I can I can give him some of the work. Um, but I'll go through the manuscript, especially if it's a if it's a if it's a crew pack or a, a standalone adventure. I'll find three or four pieces of art that I think fit thematically into the adventure into into certain areas on the text, and then kind of a general perspective, I'll put a little you know highlighted note in the manuscript saying, put this piece of art you know somewhere around here because it because what what I try to do is I try to fit the artwork on the page to something in the text, right? So that the, there's a kind of a linkage there. It doesn't always work because once you get into layout, then, you know, everything goes everywhere sometimes. And you just, you're just hoping for the best. Um, but so I'll, I'll send, um, you know, in this case, Roxanne, I'll send her a, a manuscript that has some, some notes in it to say, put this piece of art here, put this piece of art here. Hey, this, uh, this um, sidebar should have the Starfleet Delta in it. Um, you know, hey, this sidebar, let's put the Ferengi symbol in this sidebar. Mm-hmm. Um, little notes like that. I, I, I try really hard and, you know, Roxanne can push back if I do too much, but I try really hard not to put too many notes in it because I want to make sure that the graphic designers have the opportunity to flex their creativity. And yeah, I mean, because they've got access to all, this, all the um, sure. all the assets or you got you got access to all the art that we need. So like I want them to be creative and too and put cool stuff in there. And and not so much, you know, I, I don't challenge you to surprise me, but like I just trust you to to know what you're doing way better than I do. Like I have an artistic eye, you know, and I can kind of get a sense of what it's like. But uh, uh, so that's that's what I do is I I make that manuscript ready and then I hand it off to Roxanne and then Roxanne does her magic. And you'd have to talk talk us through the process from that sure. point, Mark. Well, I have a question too because you said a word, yeah. and I have to ask an additional question on that. You sure. said that she has access to the you know library of art. Is that like a, a magical Dropbox somewhere where you can just scan through and see all the art that's available out there? 
Uh, well, so it's two things. So first, uh, because we're a licensee of CBS, we have access to CBS's art archive, which is part of being a licensee. And they have, you know, thousands of pieces of art on this portal from all this, all 55 years worth of the oh series, right? Goodness. So there's just, but, but, but it's not enough, right? There's never enough art on there for us to never. use because as a, as a, as a print-based product and digital, but primarily print-based, we need so much art in our books, like even the incidental drop-ins and the logos and the badges and the, the line art, like what you're seeing on the screen here, we're showing, we're showing line art of the Enterprise uh, NX-01. Um, there's just, there's so much art that you need in a book like the, like the kind that we do that, I mean, even I think three years into the license, we pretty much exhausted everything that CBS had available on their portal that we thought was usable in our products. And that's why you see some of the same stuff over and over again in terms of like uh, incidental plants and stuff. Do you um, order out more art when you need it? Do you like ask for more art? Oh yeah. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> uh, I, I have, I, I have, I, you know, I, I will, I will say that um, over the last five and a half years, I have developed a very good relationship with the folks at Paramount. Uh, it's Paramount now. Um, and so tactically I can reach out to them to reach out to them and say, Hey, I need, this piece of art or that piece of art. And I'd say probably eight times out of 10, they can get it. Um, that, I mean, like, cause there's, there's so many reference materials out there now. I can go through the old encyclopedias and say, hey, there's this great piece of art in the encyclopedia on page 81. Do you happen to have a PSD or an AI file of that that you can send me? Sometimes they can do it, sometimes they can't, just you know, based on what they have. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the one thing, that's the one resource that we can do. The other resource, of course, is now that Medithius uh, has done this game for five and a half years now. We have a pretty huge library of um, art that we've commissioned for the game, but also art that we've created for the game. Like uh, a lot of the designers, like Roxanne and Mihao and uh, and Chris Webb and some other folks at Mendifius. Like if you look at the books, a lot of the Elcar's designs that are in there, uh, especially in the in the TNG books, the hardcover books, um, a lot of those lot, little line bits and pieces are all just hand created by the artists as they need it to fit it into the, into the book. And all that stuff is assets now that we can pull into our books as needed. So like if we're working on it, like we have a, a, a standalone venture coming up that's uh, got some Bajoran focus on it. And there was a lot of Bajoran stuff in the, um, shoot, which one? Uh, the science book, I think. Uh, we had some different Bajoran artwork. And so we just dropped that, we pulled that right into the, into the standalone because it fit, you know, and we had it. Uh, so, so Roxanne, you know, being one of our one of our freelancers, uh, has access to both the CBS portal and also the uh, the the Medifius, um drive that has all the all the artwork yeah. on it. Yeah, I'm it glad looks, I asked. I always think yeah. there's nothing more to learn, but that's amazing. Go ahead, Roxanne. Yeah, no, and it's it can be really daunting. Um, when I first started, when I first started uh, doing work for Modifius, and which it's been two years ago now, so there's so much more even now and especially like when we they switched uh cloud-based services at one point and i was like all my links are broken where do i go to get anything i'm i'm lost i'm waiting in the uh, ocean yeah. <laughs> but um but yeah it's that cbs portal is invaluable but also just it's so much and and thank mm -hmm. god for things like metadata and and things that people have tagged you know 
they've got people that are working diligently to make sure every image has all these tags that I can then search for. Right. And it'll bring up, you, you may not even know that this image is going to come up if I search for like, uh, like, uh, like an environmental suit, but it does because somebody took the time to tag that somewhere in the past when that was uploaded. So that helps a lot. I think the hardest part is going through, which I've gotten really good at it now, but going through some of the old Modifius books, which I have most of them. So I'm like, okay, if I can't find a piece of art that I need, I'm like, I'm just going to go get my physical book and flip through it because I, because all of them are also named very well. So I can usually find what I want. I can't search for it as easily as I can on the, the CBS portal, but that's just because it's a completely different type of system. See, this is, yeah. this is the second clip I'm going to pull out of this interview and I'm going to give it to my comms team at work because I'm always telling them, tag on Smug Mug, tag on Smug Mug <laughs> for this, when we're looking for photos for the company. So yeah. good lesson. All right, Roxanne, so walk us through. What are you showing us now? So I, I had pulled up just because we were talking about some of the Elkar stuff. This is a, this is a TNG mission briefs. Um, this came out because I think we're, we've released up to mission briefs like five now. I think yep, I yeah. I've came out. Yeah. Six will be out next month. Okay. So this is mission briefs three and it is another TNG design. I was just kind of bringing it up to show the, the L cars design that we implemented. And this is the printer friendly version. Yep. So the colors are a little darker to stand mm -hmm. out against, against the white background. Mm -hmm. But again, you have those classic blues and purples and pinks that you saw that you remember so you know everybody touching like even when i use my ipad i just i think of jordy using <laughs> the, the the terminals and things on on the bridge of uh of enterprise but i'll, I'll flip over to the enterprise era because this was the next thing i worked on the uh the nx01 crew pack and you can just you see the difference between tos where it evoked that that sense of the 60s and then you go to enterprise nx01 where it feels a lot it, it definitely feels like more current like more current like now what like i would expect yeah like what i would expect NASA like the, yeah yeah nasa and almost like uh it reminds me parts of it remind me a lot of uh world war of the worlds when they're in cheyenne mountain it's, it's it's not cheyenne Ma cheyenne mountain i think is what it is in stargate and left here i am crossing my franchises <laughs> 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 but where they're where they're in the is it nato i think where they're where they are and they're they're doing their uh the war games and stuff it reminds me it reminds me of that not war, war of the worlds war games mm -hmm. um but we still have that wonderful Star Trek timelines art that uh, that we mentioned in the, in the last episode, but um, it just, it feels, it feels more like a data pad that I could pick up and use now. Mm -hmm. um, it's got a very just late 21st century feel to it, which yeah. I, I really like, uh, like about that. But uh, the, this was, this was my first experience with the crew packs and um, trying to fit a lot of stuff in with this this crew pack has felt, felt feels like it has a lot of information in it mm -hmm. um but i really love the design of it and and what the other enterprise stuff uh kind of looks like because i pulled this design from a i think a i think from a standalone mission is where i got the template for this but um 
it's just it's it's a lot of fun. I, I think it evokes again that sense that that sense of the era. Um, and then I forgot. Which I came first? Can I just because you talked about where you pulled it from? Which came first, Jim? Was it the um, Growing Pains mission briefs or this? Uh, no, the um, the the uh, the Enterprise layout was actually originated for uh, Strange New Worlds, the uh, the second mission book. That's right. The, the the mission compendium. There, the, that hardcover. That was the first time we had an opportunity to use the Enterprise layout was in that book. And uh, I tell you, just looking at this, uh, I haven't looked at it in a while. Um, I really like this layout design, the, the the enterprise layout design. I wish we could use it more, and, and partly, it's, I mean, it's probably on me, right? But uh, we, just, I just haven't had a lot of enterprise stuff to sure. to get out there, other than the crew pack and the mission briefs and that one adventure. Like, I want writers to be writing more enterprise stuff. So, you know, hint hint for anybody who wants to write for the line, enterprise is a good way <laughs> to get in. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, so we we originated the layout. Uh, Richard Gale uh, did the uh, initial uh, design of it for that book. Um, and then uh, Roxanne adapted it for the crew pack. And then later uh, we did the mission brief. You, in fact, it was your mission brief, if I remember right, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Very awesome. Yeah. Very awesome. Yeah. And no, I really it, liked it. I, th I thought it, the, I, I'm, I'm just going to ask because we're in for a couple of mission brief designs. It seems like I, there are more words on this one. Is there, it, does this one, I think if I remember, Jim, it was like 550 to 600 words per, but now some of the other designs are like 500 words. Yeah, but this this is less than 500, I think. I think just because of the stat blocks in the middle there, um, I, I can't remember, Roxanne. What's that? Oh, no, I said that that could be because the stat blocks yeah. here are definitely larger than the stat blocks that we're currently using. Right. Um, at least that they feel like it to me. But yeah, th this page to me, like I love I love this look with the gray boxes um, and like it looks like little touch buttons on the side. I, I really had a lot of fun. It was I'm sure some people might think it's tedious, but on each of these pages, there's all these little numbers because if you look at any Star Trek terminal or or readout screen, there's just L cars, just everything has a number. And it's like, well, <laughs> it doesn't necessarily, it, it means nothing to us. A lot of it, I assume, is just referencing to things that the crew probably, <laughs> like like the the production crew of the show were like, ah, throw my initials in there and throw some numbers <laughs> up. That's my initials and my birthday. Well, um, Lee, Woolsey, Lee Woolsey, I actually asked him about it mm -hmm. in some of the design. And he said that there's actually a kind of, he's, he's a brilliant if you haven't had a long conversation with them, but he talks about all the numbers he puts in there. He purposely designs them that, for instance, they're not in sequential order because it will distract people and or they don't look like a birthday because then people will be trying to figure out what, sure. that, what that refers to in Star Trek. So he takes a lot of thought into putting those numbers in. Do you are you responsible for putting the numbers there? So in in <laughs> whether I was supposed to be or not, I thought it would be bad form if I just copied and pasted everything and all the numbers were the same throughout the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, but, but my, my, uh, my, my brain was like, go in order. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I'm pretty sure all the buttons on here are just like, they're like sub buttons. They're like sub menus of the overhead button. So the chapter is actually chapter two, section 70 over it's the seventh character listed in this, this part. So it's Dr. Flox and the, mm -hmm. it's uh, page 11 of the enterprise crew pack. And so all the little squares going down, I think are just two, I can't two, seven, yeah. Two, seven, like one through five. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. like, Cause I saw it as like, uh, like a site map almost. 
and a, and a menu tree. So it's like, okay, well I'm here and now I need to go to the next section. So that's interesting to hear. And uh, Jim, uh, Jim if, knows I love the little details and I try to always please Jim with them because it's like, so I, because I have the eye of the you know, graphic designer and I'm always looking sure. for those little color. It's like, why did they do that? Nothing is by accident. You know, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know here's a, here's a weird little anecdote. Um, of course, I had literally no idea, and I, I probably should have, but it didn't even occur to me because I'm not a designer. It didn't occur to me until later in the in the course of the run, is that I, I discovered a, a fan mentioned that um, they use a PDF reader to to uh, read the PDF to them as they're going through it, and it never ever occurred to me because I, I it doesn't occur to me to it to, reads all of those numbers. it reads all those le- it reads all those numbers. And so he says, you know, I'm sitting here listening to the PDF and suddenly I'll start hearing a string of numbers and uh, it doesn't mean anything to me because it doesn't make any sense. But then he looked at the page. He's like, oh, yeah, all these little boxes, all these little boxes with the numbers, like (laughs) the readers picking up all of that stuff. And I was like, oh, shoot. Uh, So (laughs) I'm in the process of talking to all the designers now and, and saying, look, if we had the bandwidth and the time, is there any way that we can convert those boxes into like a flat, you know, image sure. so that the reader doesn't pick them up. And like, I don't know what kind of extra time that adds, but uh, it's just something that it never occurred to me to think about is that, oh yeah, there's, because because technology now, there's so many different ways to absorb this content. It's not just reading it off the screen. You have to be able to think about it, but the people yeah. who are using reader yeah. software. Yeah, well, we- if they're using optical character recognition yeah. as a reader, that's mm-hmm. that it doesn't matter if it's embedded and if it if it catches the shape, it's going to capture it, right? Right. Yeah, and that that's and that's the thing that's where accessibility awareness is is super and accessibility visibility yeah. is is super important and that's something I never thought about either. Um mm-hmm. that I, I don't I don't tend to listen listen to my game books, but a lot of people, you know, a lot of people do because you mentioned that, and I'm like, I do know people who do that. You know, they they like, they enjoy doing that, and that's how they that's how they process mechanics and things. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it also makes it the the other. I forget how it reads because I'm actually I read I I I I use PDF readers a lot because I mm-hmm. deal with a lot of information in my job, and I also mm-hmm. use as my proofreading tool, Jim, when I'm doing my my stuff. And so the <laughs> challenge dice symbol also has the same delay you know, oh yeah you hit, you hit across that and i forget it either skips it or something i forget what it does but yeah that's for accessibility that's something to consider yeah yeah, yeah. I, I never never thought about that so that's that's good to know uh mm-hmm. and, and i'm glad we were just... on dr flox when we discussed it because yeah. no, all about accessibility he, how to fix it yeah yeah he'd be passive aggressive telling us what to <laughs> fix it right now mm-hmm. but um and i was i forgot but i think i actually went on from this project um uh, actually to the klingon empire quick start um which i had forgotten that i'd gotten oh, to work right. on that too that's right um, which yeah. was a completely different layout. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that one, um, which I've, I've pulled it up now and mm-hmm. it was fun to work on. I, I do remember working on this and there parts of it were a little daunting because it was so different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've just pulled up the, the Klingon quick start pages two and three. Um, and already the entire look and feel is different. You are taken out of the Federation entirely. Mm-hmm. There are, maybe vague similarities but overall it's grittier it's kind of grungy looking it's got you know all these skulls and batleths and all klingon you know exclusive art um the sidebars look more you know angular and triangular like uh their symbols and 
And that was a lot of fun to see just the versatility because up until I got this, mm-hmm. I'd really only looked at the main core books and the supplements, which were all TNG L car style. Yeah. So I told, yeah, I told Jim when I, I got the, the, the guide and I said, it's biblical in the way it's designed like parchments <laughs> and, and I could just see the Klingon carrying it through battle. There should be some blood on it. You know, you can see <laughs> some blood spatter on, on some of it ashes. So I thought it, it's, it's just such a cool design that, like you said, takes you out of that clean, you talked before about that clean looking at show mm-hmm. of uh, Star Trek. No, this is a different culture. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like even even here on page eight with the with the images, I think all the images in the book, I, I, I'm sure in the core book and then because I pretty much just ported the core book design and we pared it down mm-hmm. for the for the quick start. Um, but even the images don't have clean or angu- angular edges. It looks like a torn page. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's rough. It's rough earth kind of uh, a feel to it. But this one was a lot of fun to work on. I think the part that daunted me the most, and I, I'm not sure what page it's on, but there was a map that I had to draw. <laughs> and I was oh, yeah. like, I have to draw a map. Oh no. <laughs> but it, it wasn't difficult, but I'm one of those people that when I see something that I've never done before, I'm like, <gasps> and I have to, I have to chew on it for a minute before. And then once I get into it, I'm, I'm fine. But no, was this, it a tactical map or it was, it was, I, uh, let's see if I can find I, it. I personally love, Klingon tactical maps. That's what, like, when it, whenever it's on in the movie era and you get their little red, you know, symbol sure. showing up across the, I think that's one of the best designs. I, uh, yeah, that one right there, right? It's for this the, one, it's yeah, for the, the Tylanus yeah. station. It was just for the, it was the, it was the zones for the the actual um, mission that's included in the back. So it's on page yeah. twenty three. Oh yeah, my group blew this up just so you know. <laughs> nice, nice, oh, all that, that work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. to ashes <laughs> look at i mean i know the folks that are listening on the podcast can't see it but i mean look at this spread this is so great like you got the artwork and the map and and i love that so Mihal cross did the did the initial design right i love the fact that he broke the corners right he broke yep. up the corners using that black kind of uh angle on the corners there just to, just to change the look and feel of the page yep right and uh and i and i remember i and I, i'm glad you mentioned it i pushed him really hard to change that angle on the um on the on the artwork because if there was one thing well there's two things that bug me but if there's one of the things that bugged me the most about the l cars layout design is that the artwork is usually just dropped right in yep. as a rectangle right and there's no variation there's no gradient dissolve into the page it's just like blop here's a here's a rectangle here's a rectangle yep. here's a rectangle and i said Mihal, can we please find a way to break it up a little bit and inc- integrate it a little bit better in the page and so he came up with that kind of broken um, border there, which I think looks great. Um, it does, yeah. But I mean, I just love this spread because like you got the grungy look, and you got the great map, and you've got the that fantastic piece of artwork, and then the text and the, and the colors just pop right out. That, that red is just so Klingon, <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is this is great, great, great job on this, Roxanne. I had forgotten you'd done this, and so now you can I have that. Did, can, I did. What too. about the Klingon text below? I got to ask. I'm always trying to look at the details. So you got that Klingon text below. Was that from artwork, or how did you get that imported in? That I, we do. I think we do have a Klingon font, um, yeah. but cool. I'm pretty sure that that is just. 
I think that's just brought in from, I don't, I don't remember actually making it say anything. So now I'm going to, I could, I could Jim, be wrong though. <laughs> so now I'm going to push you Jim even further and put something that'll bug you going forward. It's like uh -huh. right under where it says infirmary or force field or stairs to utility basement. It should have been translated to cling on underneath. I should, should have, <laughs> should have done that. Yeah. It, it, it should have been. Um, I think for the, for the quick start though, we had such a modest budget that I couldn't afford the translator to uh, to go into the <laughs> weeds on translating all the labels. It, we, I mean, we could have done it, um, but just the realities of production just didn't make it work. Like, I mean, I wanted a whole lot more of, I wanted a whole lot more translation stuff in the core book too. But when that thing ballooned up to 400 pages, it was like, okay, I've, yeah. <laughs> I've run out of the means to do it. Yeah. What kind of world are we living in where we're paying for Klingon translation services? I mean, and you gotta world, get it right. You, you can learn it. it. You can learn it, I think, yeah. and I think even Duolingo offers Klingon yes. uh -huh. uh, and the language from High Valerian from Game oh of Thrones. Lord. But um, looking at this page, I do, I do. There is one thing that, as as a layout designer, so so just to for any anybody out there that isn't familiar, a lot of times I I, I do take a template that is already designed by one of the one of the, like the chief graphic designers like um uh, like michael cross um i believe is how is his name his name is pronounced michael or is it it's uh Mihau. Mihau. okay i'm sorry um, no, it took me um, long i've too. never i've never i i didn't realize that was the same name so that's that's on me but um but yeah, I take the designs that that he does and I bring them in uh bring them in here and then I I piece in the the word documents and and figure out where all the sidebars go. And the sidebars in every instance of in every era of a Star Trek Adventures book and every era of Trek are different. And and like ones like this, where it's got all these little triangles. So if you're looking at page 23 of the Klingon Quick Start, all these little triangles on the left on the left hand side of this high alert uh, sidebar, those I call those the fiddly bits because <laughs> anytime anytime I have to try to extend this uh, extend this text box to fit you know longer text or shorter text or any of that. Every every era, I'm just I have to find a my how am I going to do this fast? <laughs> how am oh, I going to no. do this quickly? That's that's the most difficult part. And I have I have since I'm sure other designers have had moments like this where you're doing something the hard way for a really long time, and then some. Then one day you're like, oh, <laughs> I could just do this. And so they've been a little easier because. Um, one of the projects I'm actually working on right now for, for Trek that's in revisions, um, the sidebars are got a lot of fiddly bits and, and I, uh, suddenly in the middle of it, I was like, I could just do this. This is so much easier. <laughs> Why have I been struggling with this? this uh, is, there, is there a conference where you can like share this with all the other designers? <laughs> right. right. Sometimes I just want to go remember text mm -hmm. is never going to just be, this big <laughs> you know i have to change it every time but um but yeah it 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 it's just one of those things where you know it's it's like we were looking at kobayashi maru earlier and i saw some things and i'm like and any designer will say if you look and probably writers too um you look at a thing enough you're gonna miss that mistake 50 times yeah you know and it's until it's, it's not printed. until it's printed and you've taken some time away from it and you come back to it and then you're like, oh, 
crud. (laughs) What did I let go? You know, but, um, but yeah, the sidebars used to be a, used to be a big, uh, uh, every time I saw one, I was like, Oh, I got to ask a question to Jim about this real quick then, because I know I've experienced, uh, you know, a couple of times where right away, the minute it comes out on PDF, I catch a typo that I never caught before. (laughs) And Jim, I have to ask you then, you know, right away, I'll try to read it right away so I can catch and send it back and the revision can be made. Is that done before the books are printed generally? Like, do you give a gap time just for that reason? I'm sorry, I say that again. So so the process will, I'll I'll finally get the PDF of something I worked on. I'll catch a typo and, you know, I'll shoot it directly to you. And my goal in my dream mind is, okay, it's easy to fix on a PDF. We know that. But does that also give lead time before it goes to print so that it can be changed in the print version too? Because sometimes I've noticed it's not in the print version, but it is on the original PDF. Uh, you what I'm saying? I think so. I think it, it really depends. I think, I mean, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, usually you don't get the PDFs until uh, they're already released to, mm-hmm. to general public. I don't think I've ever sent you a PDF no, no, in, no. I'm talking. I'm talking about the ones when I'm purchasing. On, if if I'm getting them online the same day as release, so the yeah. PDF, mm-hmm. if you order a physical copy, you automatically get the PDF generally. Yeah. And and the sometimes right when a PDF lands, I may catch a typo and send it right back, and it gets corrected instantaneously on the PDF, basically almost right. instantaneously. Does <laughs> oh, that get okay. translated to the print? Yeah. No, because by by the time by but when we were we uh, we do the we do the print versions first. Oh, and then and then those go off to the printer. And in that in that little space of time between the printer getting it and preparing their proofs, um, we're getting the designers are putting the digital version together. Right. Because, I mean, they're all based off the same digital file, but you have to manipulate the file a little bit differently to get it ready for digital release versus print. And um, so by the time like when we put stuff up, stuff up on pre-order, the the PDF that you're getting as part of the pre-order, that's the that's what you're going to see in print. Now, I mean, fortunately, with PDFs, we can make changes to the PDFs pretty quick and, and get revisions out there, but that's not going to impact the final, uh, the final product okay. um, once it gets out of, the, out of the factory. Yeah, once um, it's out there, it's out there. Would, yeah. it, ref- <laughs> would, would it affect a reprint? Uh, well, that gets into the weeds. <laughs> I'm just wondering. <laughs> uh, I'm a ge- I, I like knowing geeky stuff like that. So, yeah, well, I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't think it's anything proprietary because, like, I'm, I'm sure every company deals with this, but, like, it, it gets down to finances, right? So, like, a printer will get their print proofs digitally, right? And then they print everything off the digital. Um, depending on how long it takes you to go back to them to reprint it, they might still have those files in their system to where we can say, oh, go print another 5,000 copies and use the one that you've got. It, it, it costs them almost nothing to just push the button and do 5,000 more copies. But if we tell them, hey, we're going to do 5,000 copies of this book, but we have to, we have to send you a new version because there was you know, 12 typos that we fixed, they can't just do a, they can't do a, a page replace. They got to do the whole thing over again. Right. And there's a, there's, a, there's a certain amount of cost and time and effort to retrap it, like to do the whole digital thing yeah they have to go page by page and make sure all the color balance is right there's just so much stuff that i don't even know about i used to do that stuff yeah 
Yeah, I, that, I, that's I, actually my trade. I was doing I, it back when I was burning plates, Roxanne. Yeah, no, I, I did. I did. I did uh, DTP pre-press for okay. for oh five, five years uh, when I first got out of high school. My dad was in the printing. And again, I did what dad did. Got yeah. a job where my dad had a job. And uh, yeah, that's actually what started me down this whole path of what ended up being me doing freelance. But yeah, that's cool. And for all the people listening, you know, I, I, I like knowing these little details. I, <laughs> I believe in life somehow this will come apply and, I, and that'll help me pre preemptively strike on something so right, I, right. I like knowing these things I know there's a bunch of people out who are graphic designers um, sure. and a lot of artists who are aspiring to even work in the gaming industry so I really like them hearing kind of things to think about you know why why it's important to proofread and why we worship editors Absolutely. so yeah. much right yeah and you know and that being said like I said it's it's it's, it's partly a cost thing not just in time but also in money um, we, yep. we do the best we can. We have multiple editors and proofreaders and people looking at this thing. Even the designers sometimes catch typos and, and, and make corrections too, and, and which I appreciate. So we do the very best we can to make these error free. But like, if you spend any time in the publishing industry, you know that it, releasing a book that's <laughs> completely error free, almost impossible. And I, I know that sounds like a dodge, but like, if you think about the, the thousands and thousands and thousands of characters that are in even just this spread, right? Look at this two-page spread that we're looking at. There's a lot sure. of text on here, but it's not just text, right? There's spaces between the words. There's spaces between the lines. All that stuff has to be looked at. And there gets to be a certain point where you have to release the product. You have to let it go. You can't yep. agonize over every page and every sentence mm -hmm. and everything. So like, I, I, you know, we do the best we can. And I'm willing to bet that our error rate is well under 1%. Like if you look at the totality of the stuff we lower, do, lower, lower. I, I, yeah, I, I proof at work, you know, and yeah, and it's very low for a book this thick, honestly, because I do read everything, and and a lot of people when you get into the editing process or we, it, excuse me, when you're working on it, you stop looking at it many times. You're looking at just shapes and if it looks yeah. good. And, yeah. and your brain starts filling in words that aren't really there sometimes. And even right. you could have a misspelling and your brain corrects it and you keep moving. Yep. The yeah. proofreader mind is a different brain than <laughs> just reading. It's not reading, yep. it's proofing. Yeah. 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 I'm going to geek out on one last talking about printing business stuff. <laughs> well, no, no, but I want to. Yeah, we can talk all day about it. <laughs> wait, but here's why it's important to me because Jim is inviting people to write and, and artists to join and help. And a lot of it could be on how painful is it to read something that you send in as a draft? Cause it, that's a pain point if there's a lot of errors in it. So I'm just gonna give one tip to people who are submitting um, mm -hmm. to make Jim's life easier or for aspiring graphic designers. If you are proofing, I read backwards. And what that means is I, yeah, I yeah. start at the bottom of the paragraph and I read sentence by sentence back up because then I'm out of logical continuity and I'm not reading the story. I'm looking for errors. So for mm -hmm. those of you who are submitting work to Jim or trying to be a graphic designer and have a better quality of work, learn to look at it from that aspect. So there's that's the tip for the day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, another another tip, <laughs> as long as we're on the topic, because I want to get Roxanne's perspective on this, is that, uh, and I should probably, we should probably take this offline, actually, but uh, I, because we're getting into the weeds and we're talking about it, I'd be curious, like, uh, I try really hard to make sure that my writers, um, or me, like, if I have to do the reformatting, like, when we send you those Word documents, they're using very specific styles, like, for headers and footers and for, uh, for body text and stuff, and so... Uh, Roxanne, I would love to hear your perspective. Like when you get it, when you get a manuscript 
and the uh, the style styles are not being adhered to. How much more? How much more work does that? Uh, does it, hey, I'm not pointing fingers, Michael. <laughs> You're okay. <laughs> I, this is this is a blank. This is a blanket statement. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody because I'm guilty of it too. But I'm just curious, Roxanne. Like, how much more work do you have to do when you get a manuscript that doesn't fully follow the uh, the style? The style guide. Yeah. So, a lot of times that that can add some some time. Like I. And yeah. I still have just developed a habit recently because I realized that when I was sending Jim stuff, like consistently, he was having to go back, italicize this, bold this, this needs to be. And, and because trying to follow and, and there is a way, and I'm sure that at some point during the document process, like when the templates are created, that the Word document style sheets and the InDesign style sheets, which is my layout software, I'm sure at some point they have, they have matched and mm-hmm. they have meshed and talked to one another. A lot of times by the time I get to a thing, um, I think it just, it made me stop sharing. I but wanted to by, see your face. I wanted to see your oh, face. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> by the time that... Um, by the time I get to some of them, they don't talk anymore. So, so, so it's, I just have to take some time to make, and I've, I've trained myself the last couple of times I've tried to mitigate how many times uh, Jim has to go back and go italicize. Cause I already, I know that he's put in all that time and the writers have put in time to make sure that those, those italic, those italicis, Italic, those italic words are, are in there that the the starship names and things like that or any of the the klingon words but um i've just i've had to get a process where i'm like okay i know that this always needs to to be italicized or bold and italicized right. um and I mean, let's give some graphic designers you know let's give the graphic designers some advice on that is one of the things it's easy to when you're working on your first assignment to skip the whole templates process and stuff like that because you're just going for the look but building those foundations to any document you're working on and really knowing them and saying if i haven't assigned something to this then i'm wrong you know and just assigning templates is a really good style sheets style Style sheets are invaluable they will change your life. I remember before I understood what style sheets were back as a, as a baby designer that um, I was like, oh, well, I'll just, you know, bold this. And I know the hotkeys for it because I'm a hotkey person. So I can, I can very quickly just key in what I need as I'm going. Style sheets change your life, especially. And then if, if you have the, if you have the brain for it, I, I don't always have the brain for grep, grep styles, which I, I don't remember what grep stands for, but um, you can actually set up your style sheets and you use a uh, grep language to, you know, every time in this paragraph, if Star Trek adventures comes up, it's going to automatically bold and, and, and italicize. Yeah, and so it's constantly searching the text that you're that you're working with to apply style sheets, kind of on a whim. So, um, but yeah, if you've got a brain for for grep coding and things like that, it is. I number one, I'm blown away if you, if you do because I have to. I'm like googling InDesign secrets. How do I make it do this? But no, style sheets are invaluable. And one thing that can get to be kind of a bear is. Once you're pulling, if I'm pulling from several different documents to try to like make a layout, um, 
it does want to bring all of those style sheets in. So then I end up with like 300 style sheets that I may not be using. And so mm -hmm. I will say the importance of clean documents is, is paramount. And that's, uh, I, that's why I want to stress if, if, if we're going to have more material and more work and more people, if you can get a nice product to your editor's hand or the project manager, then you're going to be easier to work with. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. It, it, I, uh, Again, not pointing fingers at anybody, uh, certainly not anybody on this call, but th there were a couple of writers who uh, who I would send you know assignments to, and they would send me back stuff that was like the format was like all all over the place. <laughs> and uh, I know that if you take a word document and you put it up on Google Docs and manipulate it and then save it back as a as a word document, the styles don't the styles don't keep no they they, they change. And so I get this, you know, finished document. And I'm like, what happened to the styles here? And they're like, oh, I don't know. I put it up on Google Docs, you know, did, did my work on it and then sent it over to you. And it's like, oh, damn it. Uh, so then I have to, you know, I have to basically cut and paste everything into a fresh doc, into a fresh, you know, template. Yep. And do it all over again. And uh, I can't even tell you, I mean, I literally can't even tell you how much time I've spent on, I mean, for five years now reformatting shit mm -hmm. and just, just yeah. literally go, I mean, if you think about, you know, a 10,000 word adventure is one thing because that's like 30 pages and that's not too bad. But when you're talking a 100,000 word book, like a book from top to bottom, reformatting that stupid thing into the into yeah. the proper style format and then going in and doing the the italics and the bolding on all the stuff that has to be italics and bolded and whatever. And it's just like, oh, my gosh, the the the, the, the writers who do adhere to the style guide and, and know how to use styles and word or if they don't know how they actually reach out and ask, ask how. How like, do I do some reason, some reason a lot of people aren't willing to ask for help and I don't get it, but anyway, I, I, I digress. <laughs> so, so yes, absolutely. The writers who know how to use the styles and, and don't F it up are, are godsend to me because they may not realize it, but they're saving me a lot of time because the faster I can get that, that document formatted and clean and, and try to, you know, I try really hard to give Roxanne and the other designers a clean document. Um, but I also try to give CVS a clean document because they don't want to be looking at a bunch of typos and errors because they're going to be like, what are you, what are you sending to us here? So I try to send CBS the cleanest documents I can. And uh, like, I mean, at this point, five years in 99 times out of a hundred CBS doesn't have any comments for us. Wow. Right. Cause like nice. the, yeah. the, the text is clean. The canon, the canon is right. The text is clean and they're not finding any typos except maybe one or two little niggly things here or there. And then I can take that um, document. I can add in my annotations for the layout designer and I can send it straight to Roxanne or whoever and say, okay, here's your clean document, go crazy. And hopefully Roxanne, I mean, yeah, I'll have, you have to tell me like, hopefully that document is clean enough that it's not hard for you to, to at least get the initial cut in there. No, absolutely. Um, I very rarely, I, I think, I'm trying to think, cause we usually don't have to do, I will say the product guide and the player's guide or the player's guide and the game master's guide were by far the ones that we went back and forth the most on, but it was also a, sorry, I've got a kitty <laughs> that was sure. trying to come in. Um, but, <laughs> um, but they, uh, we went back, but it was a new design. It was a new page size. I mean, it was the, the game master's guide and the, the player's guide were, were new monsters entirely. And I was thrilled to work on them. But at the time there was like, <sighs> you know, I was, yeah. I got, I got pretty frustrated, not with you, but it was just like, wow, there's just so much. And, mm -hmm. and that was one where I was not being as diligent with checking my italicizations and my boldings and things like that. And so 
there would be an entire proof pass where it was just Jim going, Hey, get this, get this, you know, kind of having to re-drill in these always need to be this way and this needs to be this way and, mm-hmm. and keep an eye out for this. And so what um, this is impressing on me too, as we talk is, you know, there's a lot of aspiring story writers out there. Um, there's professionalism in any line of anything you do in life, there has to be a level of professionalism. Like ideas are only mm-hmm. good if they can get out there, you know, right. or excuse, I shouldn't say that ideas are always good, but to become published, there's a whole process of professionalism that takes to get to that. Mm-hmm. And what's really nice, especially, you know, say for what Modifius is doing and what Jim is doing in particular in inviting new writers to just give it a try, um, get those professional skills down. Cause then when, when you, when you're able to, it's just good for your reputation. It gets you more work because you could have the best stories in the world, but if you can't, if you're making more work for everybody down the line, yeah, it's just, it's just not fine for the team. You know? Sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I try, I try really hard to, uh, to be a, a good editor and a mentor for the, for the, especially the newer writers that are, that I, that I bring in. Um, and some of this stuff you just have to learn. Like, I mean, I've been doing this for 30 years now. It, it, I had to learn the hard way, right? Yeah. I've made I've made plenty of mistakes early in my career, and uh, and the only way to learn is to do it, right? You you make yeah. mistakes and then you learn from it, or you don't learn from it and then you quit and you go find something else to do. Um, <laughs> but uh, but I think uh, you know any prospective writers, I think as a freelancer, whether you're working on this game or just in general, if you're doing freelance writing, um, the two most important things I can possibly think of to to tell you to do and not, not you have to do, but you should do it to be professional is um, hit your deadlines because there's so much stuff downstream of you that you have absolutely no idea about that. You know, you may think it's a lark to, to be two weeks later, three weeks later, whatever, but if, if you're late, there's, there's a huge impact down the road that you just have no idea uh, to, to the point where it's impacting, you know, um, income because like if, if, uh, if our book slips three weeks or a month or something, all of a sudden we're, we're missing a month of revenue. Right. And that yeah. may not matter to the writer because you're getting, you're getting your, your flat rate or whatever, but has a big impact on the business. Um, and you just may not realize that, but that's something that, so yeah. Well, you know, and hit, and hit, even hit your, down hit. the line, down the line, it impacts financial. I mean, you know, it's just, it's just the way it is, you know, we're all waiting for a certain point of the process to, right. to get, you know, compensated for the time we put in. And yeah. so anytime that we have to wait on something, uh, for an extended period of time, whether, and thankfully I, it's rarely happened with my difference. It's never happened in this line, uh, mm-hmm. that I've ever felt like it's taken an exceptionally long amount of time after I get done. Cause by the time I get done with it, it's pretty much ready to go. <laughs> I'm, loving that. I'm, I'm, I'm loving the fact that we can talk about it for, for Star Trek adventures, just as a thing. You know, I, you know, you can go walk, go to a museum and walk by the art real fast and say, that's pretty, but it's the people who stand there and look at it and wonder like, well, what's the canvas and what was the technique used? <laughs> yeah, you get yeah. a whole new thing. So that's why I really appreciate Roxanne, what you're showing us too. Is there yeah. anything else? I want to see some more. Uh, anyway, sure. the, the last thing I wanted to say, yeah, and I'll, yeah, and I'll yeah, I'm you. sorry. Yeah. Cause this is, no, it's okay. It's okay. This isn't about freelancing, but in general, so the, the, the two pieces of advice I had for freelancers, right. Hit your deadlines as much as possible because there's so much stuff that you don't see that you are impacting one way or the other. Uh, and the other thing is if you can't hit your deadlines, tell your editor or tell, tell whoever's Absolutely. giving you the work. Cause like, if you, if you don't communicate, like you're just in a, you're in a black hole and, and that that's, that's really, really a hard place to be, not just as an editor or, or, you know, the, whoever's in charge, um, whether it's uh, a editor at a magazine or a, a editor on a game like this or something else, 
like the person giving you work, if you don't communicate with them and tell them that you're going to be late, then you're not going to get more work. And that's just, that's not personal. It's just business because the people that I work with, like I rely on them to do that stuff. And like the ones that do it consistently, I keep going back to you because they're the easy the easy choice right like like you're, you're good and you're consistent uh, anyway i'm going off the choir here <laughs> this is turning out better no but you, i'm telling you right now there's people who are going to listen to this yeah and and it's going to save them rejection in the future yeah. so it's it's worth uh, a pile of diamonds what you're saying yeah. I mean, this, is, this is just you know practical life skills right i mean it, 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 but it's also professionalism um especially in a little industry like this word gets around you know i, I don't I, I would never try to blackball somebody but if another editor at another company says hey i'm thinking about hiring this person to do work and they said you they worked on star trek with you what was it like and yeah. uh, i can i could sugarcoat it but like i try to be honest and say look you know i thought they were good but here's one, two, three things to just be aware of. It's like, you know, they do good work, but here's two things to be aware of. Like it's a small enough industry, um, you know, right. people talk and yeah, uh, that's, just, absolutely. that's just the reality. Anyway, so back to the happier things. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it makes, scared everybody. no, it makes me happy because I, I, my, my personal mission statement is I derive happiness from watching other people be successful and helping mm -hmm. them be successful. So Five years down the line, someone's going to come up to you or Roxanne or myself at some convention and be like, you know what? I listened to that podcast and I took an extra, I had my dad proofread it and I sent it in and, and <laughs> yep. I got the job. So that's, that's what I'm looking for. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And while, while Roxanne pulls up another uh, example of her exemplary yeah. work, um, but you know, Michael, that's exactly where I am too. Is like, I want everybody that I, I bring into Star Trek Adventures, I want them to want them to succeed, right? I want them to I want them to have the moment, right? To say, look, I wrote for Star Trek. I I, I contributed to the the massive uh, tapestry, and like you know, everybody I bring on, like you will not find a bigger champion than me, and I will do I will bend over backwards and sideways uh, to do everything I can to help you be successful. And uh, yeah. I just I hope that they understand that. I mean, it's hard to teach that, right? But uh, Hopefully that, that trust comes in time. But uh, anyway, no, I, I, <laughs> look at this I, I, cover. Oh, my God, this is such a beautiful cover. It is, Stephanie, it is. Stephanie Toro did this cover, and I was just blown away. And like looking at it in PDF is one thing. This is the player's guide cover that Roxanne is displaying yeah, right now. I, yeah, I just pulled up the player's guide. But to get there these things <laughs> in hand. Yeah, and Roxanne, your copies are finally on the way. So uh, Fantastic. I'm, I'm the, stoked. I'm stage. excited. Uh, this is so great, but yeah, go ahead go. I'm going to put myself on mute now, so I'll shut up. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Um, um, I will, I will just chime in and say, follow up to what Jim just said a little bit ago. He absolutely, Jim is one of the best people I've ever had to work for. Uh, I've, I've never had a lack of information or a lack of resources when I'm working with Jim and I've, I've worked for a few different tabletop companies and, and anytime I get a job from Jim, I'm like, okay, this one's going to be, <laughs> it's kind of a reprieve. So, so I, I have all the, the love and admiration and respect for you as well. And, and I'm just, I'm glad that we have this working relationship. Um, but uh, yeah, this, this cover is beautiful. Stephanie did a wonderful job on this. It, it was a bear for me at, at uh, print time because I had to go back and, and kind of like, I kind of had to rebuild it from the ground up, I kept all the design elements, but just for the different embossing, the, um, uh, the, uh, foil, the gold foil on this one, this is the gray cover with the gold foil foiling. It, it's a lot. And, and if you've never been in the printing industry or, or have never experienced or have any knowledge of, of 
all that goes in and how many different things have to match up to, to make and how that we call it registration, how many things have to register together. So that looks good in the foiling lands in the right spot on the right yeah. embossing. And it's a lot, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. Me and me and the, uh, I believe he's our logistics guy, Peter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he had to play intermediary between me and the, and the printing company for days because, because there was just stuff I had, I've never, so the books, the player's guide and the game master's guide, those are my first big printed products. Maybe, maybe printed products ever. I think the quick start is also printed maybe for Klingon, but it was pretty standard. This having the end papers and being a full hardcover, uh, two hardcover volumes. That was my first time really getting to experience that process Mm -hmm. with Modifius. And it, it was a learning experience (laughs) and spent a lot of, a lot of late nights, um, uh, working on these files, you know, to, to get it done, uh, Mm -hmm. within the time allotment. But I think, I think these books ended up looking, looking beautiful. And this is the one where we kind of, we mentioned it before. It's, it's a unify, it's a brand unification uh, project where it doesn't look necessarily like it, or it doesn't have like all the L cars of the TNG era books. It doesn't have the gray box and the, the grid work of either the TOS era or enterprise era. And so we get, you get kind of this, uh, like and I love the M papers. I just I, I like the M papers and all the books. The maps always, you know, I love maps anyway. But um just the the deltas, simple delta patterning, but it's a very clean layout. It's very open, it's it breathes. Um and just just light angular things to kind of give the impression of it being Star Trek or yeah, Star Trek. Um and the plot. Yeah, I want to talk. I'm going to give you some comments from real people who who grabbed this book. So, okay. so because I have it in my my house, of course, um, my father in law, who doesn't he likes Star Trek, but he's not, he doesn't do any gaming whatsoever. He, but he likes reading and he took mm-hmm. the books and he ordered them that night. <laughs> for himself he's like i need these nice. in my library they're really good quality um and nice. then what's really cool is i have my 14 year old nephew who's actually going to start blogging on continuing missions about oh. his because he, he had a school assignment about opening up as a website and doing blogs and awesome. so he, he decided his subject is going to be traveling into the world of star trek and star trek adventures in particular to see what what it's all about what's uncle michael all about and he wants he's going to start <laughs> blogging and he took the book and he's like, oh, this is really easy to read. And he's reading it right now. Nice. Um, so wh- why I like that, why I'm mentioning that with the player's guide is because this is all about an introduction to Star Trek. And I think, honestly, if it was, if it was, I'm going to use the term over-designed, but I don't mean it. It was over-branded to Star Trek and over-technical, like some of the other supplements, because they're four diehard fans who are playing the game. I think it would intimidate them. But the fact that it's designed in a very mm-hmm. scholastic way, I'm going to say, mm-hmm that my 14-year-old nephew's eating it up and texting me and starting to write little blogs about it. So I think that's really cool that that it's it's really for the new player um, and it's a good bridge to Star Trek the way Absolutely. it's Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, the when when I first got assigned this project for the Game Master's Guide and the Player's Guide, at first I was like, okay, are they just going to split up the core book? Because I've known some, I have some other games that have done that where they've just taken the core book and they've just made it into two things because for whatever, whatever reason it was, whether it kickstarted and or with, if it was in the budget, let's, let's just do a massive like 600 page core book. And then later we'll split it out if people like it and they, they, 
you know, we, we get the revenue. Um, when I got the word documents for this and saw how, how different they were, it's not just a rehashing of the core book because at first I was like, ah, you know, is if it's just the same stuff, but mm-hmm. then getting into it and the different, the different roles and things like that, that, um, that are given, I was trying to find here, uh, which I like spreads like this anyway, I'm on page 53, 52 of, uh, the player's guide where we were able to do a full plate of an image, you yeah. know, just some nebula with a star in the middle of it. Yeah. It's just those space images that I think we picked up from CBS are just glorious, but, yeah. um, but I loved, I, I loved the different, you know, cause it gives you the different eras of play. I'm on chapter three, um, the different eras of play. And it, it goes through chronologically starting all the way back at 2063, you know, which is not that far in our future. You know, we're, yeah. we're pretty close to that. I, I hope to live to see 2063, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? Um, but I, I love the other player options that are available. The, it it just expanded so much in the different roles and the different ship roles and, you know, ship's counselor. And in the, uh, I believe it's in the player's guide. You can be like a ship's cook um, and things like that. It, the, the player's guide and the game master guys were a lot of fun to work on just because not just because they look different and it was visually new, which as a designer, when you've done a lot, cause I, I had done a few mission briefs kind of before this and they all were kind of the same and it was just a different topic, you know? Um, so getting to switch and shift gears and go into this was like, Oh, well, this is a whole new, a whole new ball game. And I love just having the visual variety that came with working on these. And I'm, I'm super excited. I've, I've looked through the PDFs. I've got friends who've picked them up. Um, and I've, I've gotten good feedback from them about it. But um, I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to hold it in my hands because I, I, we have so many game books back there. I, right. I'm usually is, a PDF person, but the, the only game book that I would say feels similar to this in quality is the Klingon book. Um, when okay. you're holding it, it feels significant. And I think by the time, by the time this episode airs in the states and Canada, a lot of people are going to be actually getting the physical copies. So mm-hmm. I would love if people in the comments tell us what you think about Please. the sale of them. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it just change it changes the game, and I really would like to hear from people who've never played Star Trek Adventures before what yeah. impact this has on them when they touch it and when they go through and read it. So I'm yeah, I, I would I would be fascinated, like absolutely fascinated. I would love to hear anecdotes from somebody who's new to Trek reading one of these books for the first time. Like this is their intro to Trek. Um, like not just Star Trek adventures, the game, but like Star Trek itself, maybe you're a casual fan. Maybe you're like, Oh my, my significant other is a, a huge Trekkie and I don't know anything about Trek. And they just handed me this book. What is your experience? Like, did this help? Did it not help? Whatever. I would just be fascinated to hear across the spectrum of people that, uh, are being exposed to it. So Absolutely. I can't wait for this to finally get out there. Well, stay tuned to Maddox Johnson's blog. That's my name. <laughs> starting awesome. continuing missions and he'll have a two, he'll, I said 250 words twice a week, you know, so nice. look at this. Oh my gosh, this layout. Yeah, it, it was, this one was a lot of fun. And, you know, I was talking about those sidebars earlier. These sidebars were, were, uh, they were a joy. They were so easy to work and work with and manipulate. This is actually one of my favorite spreads in, in the game. And this is 98, 99 of the player's guide in the game preparation chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons I love this 
is because this is one of the first games that I have personally played or, or been involved with, um, in any, in any stage of, of, of this, of this whole game and this process, um, that I have noticed having a safety and consent in, in a, in a core book, mm-hmm. you know, which I, as far as I'm concerned, the player's guide and the game master's guide, these are going to become core books. Um, if you already have the core rule set, that's great. Don't not use it, but get these because these are going to expand so much of what the core book kind of gives you this foundation. This, the details here are so great, but to have a publisher and a, a game that is, is concerned with safety and consent and session zeros and checklists and things like that. You don't see that in every game Mm -hmm. and it's 2022. And these things are very prevalent in our society. And we, these topics are our headlines every day, you know, especially after me too, and all of that. And, and, and it's tie, you know, I, I consider me too, as part of the, the whole Star Trek kind of thing, because it was Anthony Rapp who kind of started it. Mm-hmm. Um, who plays Paul Stamets in Discovery. And um, knowing that this is the world that we live in where we're drawing attention to these kind of things and and some of the horrendous things that have transpired in the hobby <laughs> and that still sometimes people think that they can fly under the radar and get away with stuff. And it's like, yeah. no, we're going, the fact that Modifius is concerned enough about it to put it out there and say, this is, these are things that you need to be aware of at your table. Mm -hmm. And, and there's even the sidebar here on page 99 that says, well, we don't need safety rules. You absolutely do. (laughs) You absolutely do. And, and that's, you know, and that's what that sidebar is about. You might think that you don't need this. Talk to your table, have communication. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's just one of the things I love about this company and this system and this line is that uh, it, it really enforces in a practical way, um, the values that we see exhibited in Star Trek and that progressive um, future where they care about that stuff. And, you know, gaming, I think, kind of gets a bad rap because there are guys out there that don't care about that. And they and I just I just love that this game uh, allows for that and, and encourages that kind of openness and communication at the table. So that's, that's one of my little, that's my little soapbox about. about no, I that. loved it. I loved hearing that's it. Like, that's great. I, I know I'm um, working with Jim on it. It, 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 when we were at, as writers were given certain assignments like this to talk about that, um, Jim was like, this is going to, ch-. he, he, Jim said it was ch- going to change the industry in a way but, mm-hmm. and how people pick up this game in the sense that it wasn't something that like he, he said, this could be used for any RPG, not just mm-hmm. Star Trek. That's the mm-hmm. statement I'm trying to get to in that it's not said everywhere to your point, Roxanne, it's not established yep, yep. in every core rule, but so Jim said that that would have, you know, an impact in that Absolutely. way. So I'm glad to hear you say that. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely like between this, because I've, and a lot of people have, have filled out, there's a, there's a safety checklist that goes around that a lot of GMs are currently GMs that I play with that use, mm-hmm. that I think came from Monty Cook and, and Shauna Germain, but um, having this printed in a book 
in a core book for a game, I think is unique. And I, it's just, it's cool. It's really cool to see that kind of consideration for the player base uh, and the hobby, because the only way that we're ever going to change that reputation and kind of clean that up is by doing things like this. So um, well, fantastic. I mean, it sounds to me, you know, going back to, again, you know, we're being able to work on the game, Roxanne, you know, you're bringing your passion into it. It seems that it's striking a chord with you too, to keep you passionate about it going forward. Absolutely. Um, anything else you want to share before we, uh, um, I'll just, I'll just pop up the, the discovery. You know, we, we talked about, uh, these are the crew packs that we talked about earlier. I can just show a couple of those. Cause I think these are out season two is already out, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, so I worked on that. And then of course the discovery, um, this was chapter six of the discovery, uh, yeah. the campaign guide that's coming out, which I don't know if it, will it be out by the time that this, uh, maybe I think, uh, it'll definitely, well, I don't know. It, it depends on when, the, when this one airs, but, uh, the, the UK will get the books first. Okay. Um, and then and then it'll get on the slow boat to America well, and then you know who knows well, <laughs> how long it takes. You got a little sneaky peek, you know. I yeah. won't show too much, but um well the PDFs are out. The PDF the, the oh the PDFs P- are out. Okay, cool. Yeah, the, the pre-order PDFs. Well, I mean, you know, people who haven't pre-ordered haven't seen it yet. Uh, so that's okay. It's it's fine to give them a sneak peek. That's that's cool. Yeah. The, um, the, yeah. I yeah. got to work on a couple chapters. I really liked them. And I think that's another book that's gonna look really good because it's got that collector's edition cover that's also the leather, oh, the yeah. leatherette with the embossing and stuff. So um but yeah, right. uh well, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry, I keep <laughs> no, no, I want you to no, great. I was gonna ask you if you had anything else you wanted to share that people should be keeping in mind from a front when they're touching the books, not just reading the words, but from a graphic designer sure. aspect, what you would appreciate people recognize. Just, just know that like it, it does take time. And, and we mentioned it and I don't think we got to talk about it on the last episode, but um, you know, especially in the game master's guide and the player's guide, I think they cleaned up a lot of the functionality of the layout. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's not me. That's a lot of that is Jim. Or, or whoever organized the order of how the book goes together um, because that's probably the most the most uh, oft complaint that I hear about the core book is that it doesn't flow the way that every player wants it to flow, which you're not going to make everybody happy. But, you know, people hear that. And, and I, I really believe that the people involved with this game and with this product line want to make functional things that people are enjoying looking at. You know, if, if we make a game book that doesn't, it may look pretty and the layout may look great, but then if it's not functional, people don't want to use it and they're not going to want to recommend it to other people. So we're really trying, (laughs) really trying to make a functional usable product for you and for um, you know, that you can share with people. And I'm, I'm proud to share everything that every time one of something comes out that I've worked on, even not just me, I'm friends with some of the writers on the line um, like John Kennedy and, and people like that. And anytime those things come out, I'm like, Hey guys, we worked really hard on this and there's a lot of blood, sweat and tears and passion that go into each of these, please check them out. Um, and so, yeah, I just understand that, that we love it too. And we're not just here to, to make a game and make money off of it. We're here because we love it and we want to find new ways to enjoy this, this world. Yeah. 
great yeah. way to say it. All right. I mean, this yeah. is a great one. I, I, this is the second time we've, we've interviewed a graphic designer mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. For, for this. And it's worth it every single time because now these are c- called collector's editions for a reason, you know? And, and so I appreciate that, you know, for those who are spending the money on it, you know, I know when I'm spending my money on it, I want it to last a long time, good quality, something that I could share with others. And, and you're hitting the mark, Roxanne. Good job. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. So, okay. you know, I, I could go on all night because I've got so much stuff I could talk to you about, um, but I know we want to, we want to, you know, probably close this up here real quick. I mean, not quick, but we want to you know, no, come to a satisfactory <laughs> we've talked, conclusion We've talked here. a while. Yeah, we've talked but, a while. Uh, I want to I ask you one question, Roxanne, and you know, I don't know if we need to save this for an email conversation, but uh, if there was, um, yeah, I mean, given your passion for Star Trek, because I, I can say, I, I mean, obviously I see it every time you relay something out. I can hear it in your voice. I, I, I can tell how passionate you are. And I love working with people that are passionate about Star Trek like I am. Because it, it's obvious in the product, right? It's obvious in the end result. I get manuscripts from Michael and the other writers. I can see their passion. I can see Absolutely. your passion, like all that stuff. Anyway, all that being said, if if there was like something I like to do as an editor is I like to push my writers and I like to push my designers a little bit just to try something different, just to try like to, because like, you know, as a mentor, I want people to be better mm-hmm. or, to, or to, you know, stretch themselves, not, not necessarily be better, but to stretch themselves and take risks, calculated risks. And uh, so given all that, um, like if there was one product you'd like to work on for Star Trek, for Star Trek, or, or what is the next challenge that you would like to tackle or have an opportunity to tackle for the sure. Star Trek game in, in a design perspective? Like, is it, is it designing a cover or doing an interior design? Like, like what's in your, in your wheelhouse, what, what excites you enough that you like, Oh, I wish I had an opportunity to do blah. What, sure. what would that be? Sure. Um, I, yeah, I would love at some point to, to kind of try, try my hand at a, at a, at a full on and, you know, like an interior template design and just to kind of get an idea of, you know, I, it's one of those things where I, I've, I've not really done it in a, in a hot minute. So, mm-hmm. so it'd be, it'd be kind of an adventure, but um, especially in like, the realm of like lower decks or something like that. And to kind of experience some of the, especially with like, or like strange new worlds, you know, when it comes out just to see what they do, that's going to be different from discovery mm-hmm. um, because it's going to be vastly different. You know, you know yeah. that it is um, it, it may share some similarities, but discovery branched off on its own path. So, right. so, you know, seeing what strange new worlds is going to be, but yeah, doing, doing like a layout like that, or even like a, yeah, like a cover would be would be a lot of fun just to just to see what we could do and and uh, you know change it up because I love I love some of the minimalist covers that we do but I really like you know uh, some of the ones that are a little bit more detailed like Stephanie did for the the product guide and things like or the players guide mm-hmm. um, so mm-hmm. yeah it, that would be that would be a lot of fun okay. you know just to kind of play in that world a little bit more sure sure yeah because I mean I, I thought I thought the um... The player guide and the game master guide were like evolutionary steps for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know what else you work on outside of Star Trek, right? But um, I, I thought that was a um, a cool opportunity. I mean, it was yeah. hard. And, and like uh, you were talking <laughs> earlier about all the work you had to do, like it was so hard for me because like I want to help. I'm a helper, right? I want to sure. help people. And, and like at that point, I was so powerless because like I had handed <laughs> off all the work to you. You'd done yeah. all the design. We, I'd finished all my final amendments. And like, it was just you and Pete going back and forth with the factory, 
fix this, fix this, fix this. And like, I was watching the conversation happening in, in real time, you know, week, day after day after day. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, oh, I can't help. I, no. I, so I, my heart went out to you every time Pete came back with a comment. I was like, oh, change this or change this. And I was like, ah, shit, I can't do anything to help you, Roxanne. Yeah. But I'm here for moral support. Yeah, no. And and really, that was just, it was a learning experience. Yeah. Uh, I, I, like I said earlier, I've been on that side of it where mm-hmm. I know what it's like as a pre-press person to go, I need this this way. I cannot right. make this work. Right. And to be on this side of it, I was like, I just felt, you know, honestly, I just felt like a big dummy. <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like sitting there the entire, and I, I think I apologized a thousand times to, to Peter. I was like, I'm sorry, I haven't figured this out yet. I'm really trying, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. thank you for your patience. But no, it was, it was a lot of fun. I'm glad to be on this side of it, but mm-hmm. I'm glad that people enjoy it. And I, and I, I love the look and, and feel of the products as a whole. And so I, mm-hmm. I'm just thrilled to, to, to be on the credits page somewhere, you know, and yeah. have a small part in it. Mm-hmm. Look at all the work that goes into us having fun. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. For, for, for the fans. <laughs> oh, right. All for the fans. I tell you, I mean, I, we're, we're fans too, obviously. And we do it for Absolutely. ourselves selfishly to some extent, but <laughs> the, the fact that we're creators and we're sharing, we're, we're creating this stuff and then we're sharing it with people all around the world. That's the, that's the real joy is Absolutely. like, we make these cool products and it's like, Oh, I can't wait for these to get into your hands. Right. Like you, you get to see. Oh, yeah. I'm just, you get I'm to just see sitting there. Yeah. I'm just sitting there going, I can't talk about this. Yeah. I know. <laughs> and, so I don't know if you're like me, Roxanne. I'm always like, I get one thing down. I'm like, okay, what next? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, there was, there was one time I did email Kieran and I was like, you know, I haven't heard from you guys in a while. It's cool. If you don't want to work for me anymore, I'm okay. And he's like, no, it has to, it's not that there's just so much in the pipe, but yeah, yeah I was, I was like, it's cool, but I'm still here. <laughs> you oh, know, tr- trust me, there is there is so much in the pipeline. Yeah. Like I've still got I've still got 18 months of stuff ahead of me. So yeah. we'll we'll keep you we'll keep you fed with work. <laughs> yeah, no, don't you worry. Works for me. <laughs> Works for me. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk to I'll talk to Kieran, and we'll find ways to get some creative uh, additional uh, opportunities for you to to, to stretch awesome. a bit here. I've got a couple ideas just off the top of my head right now. I got to write them oh. down so I don't Uh-oh. forget. But. Uh, <laughs> Well, Roxanne, uh, we could go all night, Michael. So yeah, I was going to say uh, two things. I want to say, Roxanne, yeah, this sure. has been an immense, immense pleasure. I'm totally everyone is fascinating to me. Some people, no matter who we ever have on the show, it's always some angle that makes me appreciate the quality of the product more and all the passion mm-hmm. that goes into it. Second, I want to meet your dad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Come to Gen Con. I'm going to make him come to Gen Con when you. We'll have to figure out how to do that in the future. <laughs> you're killing me. I won't, I won't be there this year. Hopefully next year. Uh, Hopefully next year. Awesome. Awesome. We live, I live so close now it's well, and I'm going to sell candles. So what what do you do? Perfect. Awesome. Well, for everybody, thank you for tuning into this continuing conversations. It was a little technical, but for those of you who are wise enough to listen to it, you (laughs) probably will improve your careers by all the fantastic advice that Roxanne and Jim shared with us today. So I want to thank everybody today. I'm going to give a shout out. Um, you made me go back nostalgic and go back to Coastside Comics in Pacifica, which was the first nice. place I ever went as a comic book shop and they had gaming books there. So I'm giving a shout out to Remy, who still runs it. It's been over 45 years. He still shows up there. Isn't that amazing? Nice. And I mean, it's just just a, the fact that you can still have a comic book shop that's is still around all those Absolutely. decades. Absolutely. Wonderful. So that's my shout out for today. Roxanne, you want to give a shout out? 
Yeah, you know, um, uh, last time I didn't have, I, I, I just thought when I was still living in Texas, I actually worked for a game store called Space Cadets Gaming Gaming, which is a sister store to a much larger comic store called Space Cadets Collection Collection because she buys collections and and then has a massive collection. It's a huge gaming store. She's just expanded, uh, or well, the comic store has expanded, the gaming store has expanded. Highly recommend them. They're in Oak Ridge, Texas, which is northwest of Houston. Um, Jen King is the owner of Space Cadets Collection Collection, and Brian McMeans is the owner of Space Cadets Gaming. If you're looking, if you're in the Houston area, in the northwest Houston area, I highly recommend checking them out. They are both wonderful brick and mortar stores. And, and after the pandemic, they, they survived and they are thriving and I highly recommend them. They are some of the best in, in that area. So mm, great shout out, Jim, close us out with your shout out. Well, yeah. So to, to, to shout out, um, again, like I said, last episode, um, I don't have a local game store that I, that I frequent. Uh, I haven't found one that just uh, has everything I want. Um, so I'll, I'll keep looking and finding one, but, uh, I will do a, a blanket shout out to all the brick and mortar stores because they are the uh, the the primary interface with our fans. Uh, I mean, certainly you can buy stuff online or whatever, but uh, those brick and mortar shops are still uh, very very important to the industry, and we're still trying to find creative ways to support you uh, directly, not just uh, you know through distribution chains and all that great stuff, but uh, always trying to find new ways to to reach out and provide support for the local game stores because you're you're right there. Uh, with your finger on the pulse of the fandom. So we want we want to reach out to you more. So we'll figure out ways to do that. But thank you for all you do. Uh, you're keeping the industry alive. And uh, we appreciate you. I appreciate you. Uh, Michael, I appreciate you. I appreciate <laughs> you. I appreciate you too, because, uh, you know, without without you guys, I wouldn't have a job. So uh, that's not true. But uh, um, you, you, your, your collective passion, and, and not just you two, but like all the all the folks involved in the game, um, your passion elevates me and uh, keeps me going. And uh, it, you you leave it all on the page, which is where I want it to be, because that's where the fans are going to see it. And uh, I can't thank you enough for all the work that you've done. And I'll thank you in advance for all the work you're going to do, because there's <laughs> there's going to be some cool stuff to come. And I can't wait to get you involved in it. So uh, awesome. uh, with all that being said, Michael, thank you. All right, everybody. Uh, so. Thank you for listening and watching and all that good stuff. We'll see you later. Live long and prosper. I see. Be safe and well.